And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I'm very grateful for this honor, this blessed privilege extended to me by Elder Ramden to participate with you in this worship experience via internet. We thank God for modern technology. Wherever you are, however you're connecting, may the Lord bless you. May he enlighten your minds. You're no doubt worshiping in small groups wherever you are. God bless you. And may God doubly bless your children. As I speak, and I usually ask three favors when I speak, please ask God to put his words in my mouth. This is absolutely essential. This request is based on Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. I also invite you to think very rigorously. Isaiah 118, come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Having said that, let us bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, I ask in the name of Jesus to be with us as we worship you in spirit and in truth. Your word says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We thank you for that assurance, dear God. I ask you now to bless your people as they worship you through the spoken word. Enlighten the understanding, dear God, as you put your words in my mouth. Forgive my sins, cleanse me, Father, and be merciful to me and help me as I serve you in this manner. Wherever small worship services are going on, bless them, dear God, and bless those speaking via Zoom or Skype, however they're addressing your people. Bless them with truth, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our subject for today, comprehensive coverage. Comprehensive coverage. Question one, what is a disciple? A disciple, according to the Greek word mathetes, is someone 
who follows or who is a learner. He follows a teacher. He or she learns from that teacher. A disciple is a follower or a learner. In John chapter 8, reading from verse 29, and I read from the King James Version of the Bible, the word of God tells us, and he that have sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Verse 31 of John 8, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. That verse bears repetition. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. There are many who claim to be disciples of God, but do not continue in the word of God. To continue is to remain or to abide or to persist with or in. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. I began by reading Matthew 5, 1 to 17 or 1 to 16. It goes like this, the first two verses. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. We have the multitudes and we have the disciples. From time to time, Jesus Christ often went to some secluded spot with the disciples to instruct them away from the multitudes. No doubt, the multitude followed Jesus. They frequently followed him. But the Bible is very clear. He opened his mouth and taught them, referring to the disciples. I say again, a disciple is a learner or someone who is taught. Many disciples <clears throat> left Jesus Christ in John chapter 8 because of, <clears throat> sorry, what he said. His teachings were too tough. And they said, this is a hard saying. Who can know it? You read from verse 60 of John chapter 8 to verse 66, where many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Why? They could not take what Jesus Christ was saying. Which begs the question, were the disciples truly in the first place? Because a genuine disciple is someone who continues, who abides, who remains, who stays with Jesus Christ. In John 17, one of the most beautiful chapters in the entire Bible, and it actually contains the true Lord's Prayer, we listen to Jesus Christ praying for his disciples. When you hear the word Jesus Christ or the words, always remember this is both man and God. This is the God-man praying for his disciples. In John 17, verse 9, Jesus says to the Father, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Jesus prayed to the Father and said, I pray for them, referring particularly to his disciples gathered around him, listening to him pray, and other disciples who were not present, but who had accepted his words of truth. He said, I pray for them, 
I pray not for the world. This does not mean that Christ did not care about the world. Of course he did. On the cross he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In John 5, 44, he told his disciples, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. But in this particular instance, at this moment, just before Christ enters into the Garden of Gethsemane to begin that suffering that no one can understand, he prayed only for his disciples. In verse 20 of John 17, the Bible says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. The prayer of Christ 2,000 years ago covered disciples today. Listen again to the words of Jesus Christ, verse 20 of John 17. But before I go any further, I'll ask for wisdom again. Father, please give me the words that your people may be blessed by truth, untainted by theory or human wisdom. Give me your words, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John 17, verse 20, neither pray I for these alone. Who are these? The disciples who walked with him. Neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That covers all those who came after Jesus died and rose all down through the centuries up to this very time. Those who have read the words of God, which are the words of his disciples, and have accepted Jesus Christ are covered by this prayer of Christ. And our subject is comprehensive coverage. Let us look at what the Bible says about praying for others. In James 5, verse 16, the Bible says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Availeth much means is able to accomplish a lot. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Then James gives us an example of the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availing much. In the very next verse he says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. James is telling us, here is a human being, Elijah. He prayed earnestly. He was a righteous man. And the prayer of this righteous man opened the heavens and rain came. But before that, an earlier prayer from this righteous man shut the heavens and no rain came for three and a half years. James is telling us, Elijah was a man subject to like passions like you. And like I am. But he prayed earnestly. And being a child of God, God moved at the prayer of Elijah, the prayer of a righteous man. Let us look at Jesus in 2 Timothy chapter 4, from verse 7. The Bible says, I have fought a good fight and have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. The Bible describes Jesus Christ as the righteous judge. 
And the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When Jesus prayed in John 17, he's praying from his humanity because God does not need to pray to God. Jesus is praying from his humanity. He is a righteous man. Now, if Elijah's prayer, and Elijah was a righteous man, can shut heaven and open heaven, think of the prayer of Jesus, the most righteous man who ever lived. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ, is his name is righteousness. In Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and the king shall reign and prosper, and he shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Verse 6 of Jeremiah 23, in his days, Israel, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Jesus Christ was not only a righteous person, Jesus Christ is righteousness. First John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So 1 John 2, verse 3, verse, refers, verse 2 refers to Christ as the righteous. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he's the righteous judge. Jeremiah 23, verse 6, he is righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1, 30, he is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, here is someone who in his very essence is righteousness and he prays. And the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer. How fervently did Jesus pray? Hebrews 5, verse 7 who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears, this is how Jesus would pray. It was fervent, it was effectual, and he was more than just a righteous man. He himself was righteousness. What is the point of all of this? You are a disciple of Christ. He prayed for you. 2,000 years ago, listen to the words, neither pray I for these only, or those these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Jesus prayed for you. Now, the status of discipleship is not reserved to an age group. You may be 70 and a disciple of Jesus Christ. You may be three and a disciple of Jesus Christ. There are no age restrictions to the status of discipleship. Jesus prayed for you, my young friend, or whomever is listening, young or not so young. You are covered comprehensively by this prayer of Jesus Christ. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now I ask you this question. In my own life, I know without any hesitation or doubt, my mother's prayers have been a blessing to me all my life. She's resting now, but her prayers have been a blessing to me. I just know that. If a mother's prayer can be so highly valued, what about the prayer of God for you? When Jesus prayed for his disciples, what did he pray for? Let's look at verse 11. Of John 17. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. 
Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Now, there are two things in that verse that are of interest to us. Keep through thine own name. Jesus told the Father, keep them. Not only those in his physical presence, but you and me, keep us through thine own name. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. Jesus asked God to keep you. We know that all prayers we offer are not answered. But every prayer that Jesus Christ offered the Father was answered. Why? Because John 8, 29 tells us, and he that have sent me, <clears throat> excuse me, is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. This is the testimony of Jesus Christ. I do always those things that please him. And in 1 John 3, 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Pleasing God comprehensively is one way to get our prayers answered. Jesus pleased God in every single thing he did. And so we have the assurance that any prayer Jesus offered the Father will be answered. The prayer of Christ for you. God wants to answer that prayer, but he needs your cooperation. We look at verse 11 again. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name. Jesus asked the Father to keep you. Look at verse 15 for more clarification on what he meant by keep them. Verse 15, John 17, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. All branches and species and varieties of evil, Jesus asked the Father, keep my disciples from evil. Now, God cannot force this keeping on us. We must cooperate with God. But we cooperate with the assurance, with the confidence that Jesus Christ prayed for me that I might be kept from the evil. All I need to do is cooperate with the Father. And so Jesus says, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. You don't need to get on a spaceship, my young brother or sister, and go to Mars or some other place where there is no sin. Christ can keep, and the Father can keep us right on this sin-sick world if we cooperate with God, keep them from the evil, whatever the evil is, evils that afflict the old, evils that afflict the young, whatever the evil is. Jesus Christ prayed to the Father, keep them from the evil. How can we cooperate with God? Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. The word of God, according to Christ's object lessons, page 100, paragraph 1. If studied and obeyed. The word of God works in the heart, subduing every unholy attribute. I say that again. If studied and obeyed. That's Christ's object lessons, page 100, paragraph 1. If studied and obeyed. The word of God works in the heart because it's a living thing subduing every unholy attribute.
So when Jesus prayed to the Father, keep us from the evil, we must cooperate with that prayer, cooperate with the Father by involving ourselves in the study and the obedience to God's word. Keep them from the evil. In verse 17 of John 17, Jesus prayed this prayer also for you. When I say you, I'm not addressing a congregation. I am speaking to the individual listening to me. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Well, this is similar to verse 15. Keep them from the evil. The process of sanctification is the process which is uninterrupted of removing, removing all impurities from the child of God, bringing that person closer and closer to the ideal, which is the character of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In verse 19, he says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Young or old, and this is particularly a youth service, Jesus Christ prayed for the youth of the North England Conference. This is not some cheap flattery. This is Bible truth. Jesus Christ prayed for the youth of the North England Conference. That's general. Let's be more specific. Jesus Christ prayed for you, young man, watching me. Jesus Christ prayed for you, young lady, watching me. And the prayer of Christ to the Father was, keep them from the evil, whatever it is that has you addicted. Jesus prayed that you will be victorious. Cooperate with the Father that you may experience that victory. Young lady, whatever it is that has you bound in sin, Jesus Christ, your brother in the flesh, prayed for you. He who experienced every temptation and resist, resisted every temptation, conquered every sin, he knows what he's talking about. He is the one praying for you. Now, when a sinner prays for you, the sinner has fallen and fallen and fallen. But when a sinless person prays for victory, ah, that gives confidence to us because he knows what he's talking about because his life is a life of victory. This person, Jesus Christ, prayed for you. He asked several things of the Father in John 17, verse 11, that they may be one, as we are one. Not simply unity among the youth, unity among the singles, unity among the widows, unity among the aged, unity among the, the body of Jesus Christ. He prayed that they may be one, as we are one. As we read in verse 15, he prayed that the Father would keep them from the evil. Verse 17, he prayed to the Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, meaning that Jesus prayed that you and I would use his word as the primary means of cleansing of the soul through the power of the Father and the Holy Spirit. In John 15, verse 1, verse 3, Jesus told the disciples, now ye clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The word is the cleansing agent. It is by the word the Father can sanctify you and me. It is by the word the Father keeps us from the evil because the living word in us changes our tastes, our minds, the way we think. You are covered by a prayer from the lips of God in human form. 
Let me say differently. The prayer of John 17 is the high priestly prayer which the priest offered for the congregation on the day of atonement. This prayer, the father hears and answers. What does it do for you to know that you are covered by the prayer of Jesus Christ? If you withdraw yourself from the protective covering of that prayer through unbelief and disobedience, then Christ is not at fault. When Christ prayed for you, he prayed for every area of your life. The prayer from the lips of the God-man Christ is greater than any weakness, any temptation, any persistent evil desire that may be plaguing your life now. You and I must live with the consciousness that Jesus Christ prayed that we might be victorious over sin. Let's review what he prayed for again. Verse 11, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one. He prayed that the Father will keep us. He prayed that we would be one. In verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. He asked the Father to keep us from the evil, keep us from the world spiritually. In verse 17, he prayed to the Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Not error, not opinion, truth. To become familiar with truth, we must go to the word of God. And by the way, Assembly Adventists, we are blessed with the commentaries of Ellen White. Enlightenment you will find nowhere else. It is she who said, if studied and obeyed, Christ's Object Lessons, page 100, paragraph 1, the word of God works in the heart subduing every unholy attribute. What else did Jesus pray for? Well, that they would be one again in verse 22 and in verse 23. You can enjoy comprehensive coverage. Not because of the prayer of your mother, God bless her, or your father, God bless him. Those prayers are precious in the eyes of God. But because of the prayer of the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. You can enjoy comprehensive coverage because of the prayer of the one who said it is finished. You and I are covered comprehensively because of the prayer of the one who said, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? I am the resurrection and the life. My listening friend, Jesus prayed for you at your young age, your teenage years. Before that and after that, that prayer mixed with your faithful response will provide you with power to live a victorious life. Why do I say mixed with your faithful response? Hebrews 4.2, for unto them was the gospel preached as well as unto us. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And wherever you see faith, you might as well see obedience, which is the proper response. That's why I say Christ's prayer mixed with your response, which is the response of the obedience of faith. When that occurs, the prayer of Jesus Christ to the Father will be answered in your life in a way that delivers you, sustains you, and purifies you.
sanctifies you, separates you, breaks the chains of bondage that have held you captive, have driven you to the point of desperation and despair and depression. Why? Because this sin or that sin seems so impossible to break. But remember, the Savior, the conqueror of sin, prayed for you. And so I leave you with this verse again. I pray for them, John 79. And who's praying? A righteous man. Who is this righteous man? Jesus Christ. Will his prayer be answered by the Father? Yes. And if a righteous man called Elijah could pray effectually and shut up heaven and then pray again and open heaven, surely the one who created heaven, when he prays, uh, the universe is open to you with all its riches and spiritual blessings. Remember, live with this consciousness as you go about your business. I am covered by the prayer of Jesus Christ. Let me cooperate with him because anything the Father asks, Jesus asks, the Father will grant. May the Lord bless you. And I mean bless you through his word, deliver you sustain you and prepare you for a place in his kingdom when he comes and may he bless you so much that you become a blessing to others i urge you now as your brother in christ recommit your life to christ give it to him allow him to direct your life through the holy spirit working in your heart through his word god bless you god bless nothing england conference and when jesus christ comes may he find us faithful and grant us a place in his kingdom. God bless you.